I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The fight of thunder and rock and roll. The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. Yeah. 
I wanted to kick it up with some heavy rock and roll because the godfather, the forefather of all things heavy metal is here today. Lemmy from Motorhead is with me. He's such an icon that I'm going to take care of a little business first and get right to Lemmy. I'm going to show a little love to Amazon, proud sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Then we're going to get right to it with the most iconic frontman in heavy metal. He's a pirate. He's an outlaw. He's Lemmy. And remember, like I said, Amazon is a proud sponsor of Talk Is Jericho. Big thanks to them. Big thanks for you guys for doing your online shopping through my Amazon links, which is the easiest way to support Talk Is Jericho and help me bring you such iconic first-time guests like Lemmy, like Hulk Hogan, like Batista, like Paul Stanley. You're only going to hear them here on Talk Is Jericho. That's thanks to you, and that's thanks to Amazon, and that's thanks to you supporting me by using Amazon. Because remember, every time you use one of my Amazon links. Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for the Amazon USA, the Amazon UK, the Amazon Canada A. You get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon, including the latest Motorhead album, Aftershock. You get all the Motorhead records on Amazon. You can get all the Fozzie records on Amazon, including Do You Want to Start a War? The new single, Do You Want to Start a War? on radio now. My new book and third New York Times bestseller, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea. You can buy that as well. Listen, you can buy anything you want or need at Amazon. I brought some bracelets there the other day. Bought a couple action figures for Ash the Fish Expert. Bought a couple books. Whatever you want. The truth is, when you use my Amazon links, you can buy anything. It's not going to cost you extra. No hidden fees or extra challenges. So if you happen to be doing some online shopping, do it through my Amazon links. Help out this show in the process. You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk Is Jericho button. You bookmark it so you can get to those links. Links in one easy click. All right. The Y2J WWE Winter Tour has started. It continues Friday in St. Louis. Remember, this is going to be your last chance to see me in the ring for a while. I'm only doing house shows. No TVs. No pay-per-views. I'm not going to be at the Royal Rumble. I'm not going to be in Raw in in Poughkeepsie. Only the road shows. It starts in St. Louis on Friday. I got Vegas on Saturday. I got Houston on Sunday. Don't forget, after the Vegas show, I'm going to be at Body English at the Hard Rock Casino. I'll be hosting a party there after the matches in Las Vegas. That's the weekend. St. Louis Friday, Vegas, Body English, Houston on Sunday. All right, and then after that, I continue on. You can find those dates on WWE.com, but I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get straight to the iconic king, pioneer, All that is metal is this man. He's a legend. He's an icon. He is Motorhead. He is Lemmy. Right here on Talk is Jericho. Are those like vintage guitars that you're looking at? Um, No, these are 2014. But they're they're all these horrible colors, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't make them like they used to, you know. (laughs) What do you you still play in the Rickenbackers? Yeah. That's kind of been your trademark for 40 years. Yeah, the Rick and Mike carved one. I, I like them because they're so weird, you know, shape. Mm. I, buy, I buy them for looks, not because you can always yeah, yeah, make yeah. it sound good, whatever it is. Right. You know, it's just you got to like the look of it. So you just buy it just for the look? Yeah. For the cool factor? I just put new pickups on them old, so they brought the new ones out, you know. Did you uh, start playing the Rick and Bacher because McCartney played it for a while? No, no. I, play, the- I played one because... I just like the look of it. It looks like JFK Airport, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1965 <laughs> modern, you know. Yeah, totally it does, right? 
Did you ever like the uh, the McCartney Hoffners that, that that he used to play? You know, oh no, that violin thing. Yeah, that was copied off a Gibson bass. They used to make a Gibson shape like that. Oh really? With the backwards tuning heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Little Richards band had one. Really? You know, I have a, a '67 Hoffner that I found at a guitar shop, and it's so light. Yeah, I know because they're hollow. You know, completely. yeah, it's like playing like just a little. Like a little wooden box or something. Like yeah, but then box. Germans are good, man. It sounds good. You know? <laughs> well, it sounds good. You know, um, speaking of Germans, everything we're here, we're here in your apartment here in, uh, oh, yeah. in L.A., and you've got so much cool stuff on the wall. I mean, I'm just looking at all of these daggers and knives, and they're all like meticulously placed on your wall here. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about. I mean, this is your one of your hobbies is collecting. Uh, World War II German Army Nazi whatever you want to call yeah, it artifacts. Right. Well, you know, people keep thinking I'm a Nazi because of it, you know, but I tell them, if I collected railroad tickets, you wouldn't think I was a ticket inspector, would you? you know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's true, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And if I was a professor at a college collecting, nobody would say a word, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Because you're Lemmy, suddenly you're a Nazi collector. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty I got a black girlfriend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm down, I touch my shoulders. I'd be the worst Nazi you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> What uh, what got you in, interested in, 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 in all this stuff? Somebody gave me an iron cross. On the road? And I really liked it. I mean, that's the best design medal ever, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, you're yeah. wearing one around your neck right now. You always have, have worn one for this years and years and years. War, yeah. yeah. So someone gave you an iron cross and you thought, I want to I want to get more and of these. And then somebody gave me a dagger, one of them brown jobs, you know, the SA, the SR, mm-hmm. the stormtroopers. Oh, is that, okay, is that what it is? So, so what are, like, are these all Those are all, uh, well, a couple of them are genuine, but most of them are modern. They're so, just imitations of old famous stuff, you know. Are they all from different battalions or something? Or Yeah, they are, yeah. They're, they're from, two or three of them are from the same, you know, one. Mm-hmm. But like most of them are, and the black and, with the black lead, and they got uh, an SA monogram on it instead of the SS. What does SA that, stand for? SR. Sturmabteilung. Oh, okay, SR. And then SS was the other... Stormtroopers. Yeah, Stormtroopers, right. Now, I see over here, too, you showed me you have some really cool uniforms kind of on a half mannequins over here. W- uh, what are those? It's uh, a Wehrmacht Army General and an SS Obergruppenführer. Uh, okay. So, uh, like you said earlier, all the, the bad guys always have the best uniforms. Yeah, well, the, the SS one was, I picked up the thing in Germany, this one of our boys come up and give it to me. It's the SS Streifendienst, mm-hmm. which was the police inside the SS. Oh. You know, like pulling up the SS guys. Yeah. The MPs, you know, like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, were they? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's amazing to think it was only, gosh, 70 years ago, 75 years ago, yeah. just the atrocities and how the world has changed so much. Like, unbelievable. No, it you don't they're, think? They're just going on in different places. Yeah, more of it. Saddam Hussein, chemical weapons against the Kurds. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Ukraine and Russia now. Yeah. That's true. But I guess just the domination of, of the, you know, the, the destruction of the Jews and it's, all that sort it's of thing. Just, I don't know. I mean, the, the Russians still don't like the Jews. Mm. Austria still doesn't like the Jews. The Germans have made such an effort to put it behind them, you know, mm. like, that they made this terrible mistake in the Constitution 
of the new Germany after the war. Mm-hmm. It said anybody could be granted political asylum. Mm. So now half of Berlin is Turkish. <laughs> you know, I noticed when you go there, there's a lot of. I used to, I had, a, I worked in Hamburg for about six yeah, weeks. Yeah, a lot of kebab shops. And that, yeah, you know. but when you go to the laundry, all the Turkish kids would hang out there and throw their laundry yeah. into my laundry machine. If you if you went to get a bite or yeah, something, yeah. come back and they'd be going through like, hey, that's not my you know underwear or whatever it may be. Where did you get uh, a lot of this stuff? Are these things that you had to actually? Most of them I got in America, but a few of them I got in Germany. Mm-hmm. A couple of them I got in Poland. Were these things that you had to smuggle across the border to get them back? And I brought, them, I brought some of them in my carry-on bag before really? 9-11. Wow. Isn't it amazing how much has changed to travel since 9-11? It's really become tedious now. Yeah. You know? I'd rather drive most places. Well, that's one good thing about Europe is you can just hop on the bus and drive from country to country. Yeah, but you can, there's no borders now, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you, I'll have a look at that one. What's see you, that one? Oh, the sword? No, this one on the top of these books here. This one here? Yeah. Is this a replica or is this an actual? No, it's a real one. Wow. So this would have been made probably in 1935 or something? Or yeah. It's 78 years old. Yeah, so, yeah, we're holding a 78-year-old dagger and it looks like it's in immaculate condition. I'm put it right back down. How much would that cost, something like that? About a grand. A grand for that? Maybe 15. Wow. Because of the blade, you know. Yeah, like we're talking about, stuff hanging everywhere in here what's like the what's like the crown jewel of your collection oh, I don't know a lot of them are you know? really like really rare things I'll show you the good stuff after if you got some okay absolutely yeah I got time <clears throat> absolutely man so how how was the, how have things been going for you um, I was at Vakken last year I was standing on the side of the stage I was I threw my panties at you you didn't acknowledge me you went <laughs> way back well, you haven't got very good tits. <laughs> no, I don't have my tits are terrible. My ass isn't bad, but <laughs> <laughs> I was standing right on the side of the stage and watched your your set because I remember uh, you weren't supposed to play because it was really hot. It was like a hundred degrees or hundred ten yeah. degrees, and you played thirty minutes and you it sounded, wasn't the heat that bothered me. What was it, what, it was my back. Your back. Wow. Yeah, because you, you had to cut the the show short. Yeah, it was thirty eight minutes. Thirty eight minutes. Yeah, but you sounded good for the songs that you did. And yeah, it was a great sound. I was really pissed off, you know. You had to stop really. Soon. When you get to my age, your body just keeps failing bits of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, especially when you're holding the, the, the you know the bass, the Rickenbacker around your around your neck. Well, mine's super light. Okay. I don't know why, but it is. So that was the that was the big thing because I remember. Everybody, the rumors are flying. Oh, Lemmy is is you know he he, he collapsed backstage and all this I didn't. stuff. I did. I know you didn't. I saw you, you went yeah. and sat down for a couple seconds. And then I went to the dressing room. Yeah, and, and I remember you said that's it. Like that's all I can do. But that was the big rumor, and you know uh, that was kind of the last gig that you played for a long time, because you had a, a lot of, of of things that had hit you in a row. Health problems. One, two, three, four. Five, I know. Four. The last year and a half have been really. Mm-hmm. I mean, first, I mean, I've had diabetes since 2000, you know, and then I got in quick succession a defibrillator put in, mm-hmm. and then kidney failure, and then a hernia, <laughs> just to, you know, put the cherry put on the the cherry cake. on top, yeah. <laughs> that's the way, right? When one thing happens, things just start to break down. Well, I'm hoping that's the three, you know. <laughs> yeah, three in a row, right? So how was that after, I mean, the rumor, you drank a bottle of Jack every day for years and years. Well, no, it was about... Three quarters of a bottle, but I mean, you know, it doesn't. By the time you get to that amount, it doesn't make much difference. Yeah. But I didn't. I don't get drunk anymore. Like, even when you're still just, drinking it's whiskey. It's a social thing. Just the taste I like, mm-hmm. 
and I'm standing around the image, you can't go, oh, and the raspberry, uh, you know, shake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. The exactly. rainbow, you know. <laughs> yeah, can I have a Shirley Temple, please? Yeah, right. <laughs> Tom Collins, you know. Yeah. I had, I mean, obviously, it wasn't drinking that much today, but I used to drink Crown Royal all the time, and it made me feel like I'd go crazy. I know, it's terrible. Terrible. So much sugar in it, it, it's so heavy, and I switched to vodka too. Do you ever taste Australian wine? Australian wine now. When you should be able to stand a spoon up in it, oh. there's so much sugar in it. It looks like German dark beers, like it's so thick. Uh, you know, like, a like Guinness. Yeah, exactly. And you can just see, like, why am I drinking this yeah. where, where vodka is Look a lot smoother? It. Look what it's doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said. By itself, you know. Right? <laughs> it's bubbling. So was it hard though to stop drinking whiskey after drinking it so off so much? No, I, I, it goes so as I didn't like the taste of it anymore mm-hmm. as well, which is a big thing for me, you know. Was it just more of a habit to have the Jack and Coke in your hand? Yeah, yeah, it's social, you know. Mm-hmm. You buy your mate a drink and he buys you, you know. It's right. Like, yeah, meet your friends. Well, it's a signify if you meet a new buddy, you know, you buy him a drink to cement the friendship, kind of, you know. Yeah, like, sure. So one of them things, you know, it's very hard to get rid of. So and when, then the smoking thing is social too, mm-hmm. but I gave that up, bang, overnight. Is but it, I, I've started a little bit now still, but I only do about two cigarettes a day. Is it one of those things they said, stop smoking and drinking or else you're going to have some more problems? Uh, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, they always say that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a standard phrase, you know. It's like, well, like penicillin when you've got the clap, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know. Because yeah. if it's going to heal it, it'll heal it. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you go back and they give you a stronger one, you know. Yeah. Was it, uh, but I mean, like, for example, like the smoking, just having it in your hand socially, is it hard to get rid of that habit of it? Yeah, and offering your friend a cigarette, too, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. But, I mean, it gets ridiculous for some people. They think it was heroin, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to die, you know. Did you find it was hard, too, because, I mean, your you know, Lemmy, the rock god Lemmy, you know, the the, the man who, who can't be brought down. How was yeah, but I have to shave this idiot every morning. You know, I, I'm not fooled, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the, that reputation too, though. You know, fans or people say, Lemmy, have a drink with me. You know, you're Lemmy. That's what you do. I know, and they keep, they keep leaving me bottles of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Can you switch that to vodka, please? Yeah, Anybody's yeah. listening, if you're going to bring Lemmy whiskey... It's cheaper, too. Right? Yeah, it's cheaper. Bring him vodka instead. No more whiskey, please. Then you get a lot of pop-off arriving, you know, and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I switched to just Grey Goose and ice. That's all yeah. I drink. Never get a hangover. I mean, it's basically an alcoholic's drink because you're drinking straight vodka. Yeah, and you, but you don't get a hangover You vodka. don't? It's it's the... I tell all my friends, if you don't want to get a hangover, just drink vodka. But it has to be top-shelf vodka. Yeah. Not the, you know, not the battery acid that they give you sometimes. Well, you know? like Kettle One's good. I like yeah. that. That's good, too. Well, you got some Grey Goose and over there. And that's some Icelandic vodka. Oh, was it Re- Reykjavik or something? Reykjavik. Okay, I hadn't tried that before. Is that good? Well, I'll have to taste. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to have a drink. Two gentlemen <laughs> having a drink. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you know, with all these years of, of your reputation of, like, being the, the party guy, I mean, you're almost like a... Like Keith Richards type of a thing, you know. Yeah. Lemmy will last forever. And did you ever? Well, when he was my age, he had to give it up too. Oh, Keith did. Yeah, he doesn't do anything more either, right? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of dents at the side of the wagon trail. You know, like, but, <laughs> you know, when you've been in your early life, just the way. Of I mean, life. I was taking acid in 1967. You know, and pills. It was all pills speed then, and you know, it's like heroin. The Welsh Parliament once asked me to speak in front of them on drugs. 
because apparently he'd seen me do an interview where I said I hated heroin because mm-hmm. of what it did to people. And I said, I think you ought to legalize it, you know. Legalize heroin. You've tried throwing the police at it for about 100 years, mm-hmm. and there's still more on the street than there was then, mm-hmm. you know. So that's failed. Just admit it. Mm-hmm. If you legalize it, you can, like, let out the amount you want to and, you know, tax it. And we'd all be rich, except the junkies, you know. <laughs> but, like, it's stupid just throwing the cops at it because they could be doing worthwhile things instead of putting non-violent offenders in jail, you know. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, th- there was a time in Texas you could get 99 years for two joints. Really? Yeah, and it's not that long ago either. Wow. In 64. Do you feel the same way about marijuana should be legalized as well? All of them should be. You might as well. People mm-hmm. get, if people want something, they'll get it. It doesn't matter what you think or I think or the government thinks or the guy on the street thinks. If somebody wants something, they will find it. Mm-hmm. You know. So when you after the the Vakin gig, you took well, that was about a year. Well, we off, did it. Or? We did it this year. You did it this year? Well, the big return? Yeah. Yeah. Was it, um, and you did a full set? Yeah. Because I know you guys killed it at Coachella this year, and you've done quite a lot of shows. Uh, so coming back on stage after taking that year off, did you have to change anything around? or? No, not much. Just Except I don't have the Jack Daniels on stage anymore. Mm-hmm. i tell you what I like. I like that fizzy water. Pellegrino. Oh, Pellegrino? Yeah, have you tasted it? Well, I've drank it before. Yeah. You're talking about on stage? Yeah. Why's that? Well, I've got, you know, it's the only way I'm bad to drink water, because I hate water. Okay. I think it tastes awful, you know, and uh, that's the only water I like. Otherwise, I'll drink a glass of, I'll eat a glass of ice, mm-hmm. crushed ice, you know. I'm like that, too, though. I don't like water unless it has ice in it. Yeah, or Mio or something, you know. Yeah, something, that's something. Good. You know, so how how was your voice singing wise? You still have a lot of power because I didn't get a chance to see you guys. On well, this I was tour. in the middle of my illness when I recorded Aftershock, and you can't tell. You can't tell. That's a great record. Some of it I had to sit down and sing because my legs were so rough on oh. my back, you know. But we got through it all right, and then went straight into the hospital again. Yeah. I did you again. Great fun. <laughs> so, so what's your touring schedule now? Do you do like just a week at a time, or no? We just did. Uh, over the June till August. Every night or every second night? Or? No, every second night, yeah, in Germany and f- festivals, you know, Belgium and mm-hmm, Holland. Mm-hmm. So you're playing hour-long sets? Yeah, hour and a bit, maybe. Yeah, and you felt good with those? Yeah, yeah. That's great, yeah. I mean, let's talk about, about your singing style, too, though. You mentioned about the power that you have, and uh, you, you sing up, which is interesting to me because I always kind of sing more down. Yeah, I know James Hetfield does too, and yeah. I said, I don't know how you do that, because you're creating like a bend like a toilet. Right, yeah. And you have to push the thing around. Uh-huh. If you sing like that, it comes straight up. But you're, you're looking straight up in the air. Uh, yeah, well, I can't best look at the audience, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you discover that style? Just something that you'd always done? Yeah, I always did that. Um, not to the extent I do now, but like... Mm-hmm. I always preferred it dead on and not down, you know. Right, right, right. And how about as far as as, as far as your, your bass playing goes? Um, I mean, your style is very, very. Uh, uh, it's like a copywritten sound. You know, everyone knows your bass playing. With it's got a lot of heavy Actually, distortion. Actually, it's a bad copy of John Entwistle. <laughs> oh, is that where it came from, huh? I got the John Entwistle Award, Luke. 
the Ox and the Lion uh, base base legend award. There you go. I mean, he had he had the ultimate rock and roll death. Yeah, no. Toe with hookers and Can't complain. <laughs> it's like the cliche. So was he one of your heroes when you were first starting? Oh, yeah. Well, not when I was first starting. I started a long time before I saw The Who. Mm -hmm. The Who were not until 1964. I was a rock fan in 57. That's one thing I love about Motorhead when you say we play rock and roll. A lot of yeah. people say, you know, talk about the heavy metal of Motorhead. I've always seen yeah, it as... Heavy metal yeah. and all that. I mean, it's so... The, the ultimate example is Man of War and the death to false metal. <laughs> as they're wearing loincloths on stage. I, I know, and no ass in their trousers. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, the, the assless chaps. But, I mean, Motorhead's always, to me, has been a, a heavy blues band. Yeah. I hear it all the time. Heavy, fast blues. Yeah, exactly. Kind of blues-tinged, anyway. That's right, yeah. So, some of it is like heavy metal, but a lot of it isn't. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't say we was a heavy metal band. Well, I mean, it definitely... There's elements, I mean, I'm influenced by the Everly Brothers, Fast Stamina, Eddie Cochran, mm -hmm. Little Richard especially, all them guys, you know. So you love, like, the, 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 the first wave of rock and roll was your first... Yeah, I remember when there wasn't any. Wow. So there what was, was there? Like, dance, like it dance was, bands? It was, it was like, old-time dancing, mm -hmm. and it was spelled yeah, with a Y, old-time, you know. Glenn Miller or whatever? Yeah, well, no, Older than that, some of it. Wow. A lot of it was sort of Glenn Miller-ish. And there's all kinds of novelty records. There was novelty records. How much is that doggy in the window? Woof, woof, you know. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm a blue toothbrush. You're a pink toothbrush. <laughs> it was like living with maniacs. Yeah. You know? And that's what they were playing on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like um, uh, Radio Luxembourg or something where you had to kind of have a pirate radio operator to hear the well, rock and well, roll Well, we had music? a lot of pirates around our shores because we were an island. So we had a lot, of, a lot of converted old, um, like coasters and that, you know, mm -hmm. Radio Caroline, Radio London, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's about 10 of them outside the, just outside the three mile limit and playing, you know, they said we're playing them for ourselves. We just happened to have a very, very good transmitter. <laughs> yeah. Used to throw records out the window. What's this? Put it on. Hit the seagulls with it. The, the <laughs> sea floor the there. So, when did you hear uh, what was your first rock and roll song or band that you heard? Do you remember? Um, that I heard? Yeah. Was Elvis. He was the first thing every, anybody heard that really spoke to us. Mm -hmm. Bill Haley was before him. Mm -hmm. But he, uh, he wasn't the real thing. We, we knew that. How do you we mean we knew he was on the way there. Well, he was like tubby, you know, and he had oh. a, that kiss curl on his forehead. Yeah. And they all like dressed in these tartan jackets, you know. Receiving hairline with the curl on his forehead. Yeah, hillbilly and his comets. <laughs> and, uh, hillbilly and his comets? No, Bill Haley. Yeah, Bill Haley. Yeah. yeah. Haley. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so when you saw Elvis, though, you knew that was the real deal because he was a good-looking guy? Well, he looked good, you know, and he looked sharp, you know. He looked as if he knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Like, Haley was probably obviously being wheeled out, you know, because he went to saw in England, and he was huge before he went to England. In England? He was massive, man. Wow. He had three records in the top ten one time. Really? And he did one tour, and it finished him. Why, because he wasn't good live? Because they weren't. They were good live sounding, as long as you shut your eyes. Oh, to look at them. But it was obviously, you know, cabaret act, mm -hmm. you know. So did Elvis come to England ever? Never. Never came? He never went anywhere. He never played anywhere 
except once in Germany when he was in the army mm-hmm. over there, he played there once. But that was a private gig, apparently. He, he landed in Scotland once while his plane changed. Oh, okay. You know, got gassed up, you know. <laughs> that was the big it. thing, too. Alice comes to Scotland, you know. <laughs> what about uh, Little Richard? Did he ever come? Yeah, he came quite a lot, and Buddy Holly, too. You, did you ever get a chance to see them live? Either one of those I saw or? Buddy Holly, but I don't remember it. Why? Because my father took me, and I was so ashamed of myself, I went and sat outside. Why were you ashamed of yourself? <laughs> well, because your father doesn't take you to rock and roll shows. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because even, even that was bad enough. He was my stepfather as well. Oh, even worse. The double whammy. <laughs> all right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Listening to Talk is Jericho. Are you enjoying this so far? I know I am. This is true rock and roll history with a rock and roll legend. More with Lemmy right now. Mm. But I do know uh, that you saw the Beatles at the Cavern Club. Yeah, I did that. I mean, that's insane. Like, tell. I mean, did you live in Liverpool? Did you take a journey? No, it was only sixty miles away. We stayed like up there. You know. Wow. And the train from Liverpool to London didn't know where I was based. It was a pound. One pound. Yeah. Now it's like 200 and something. <laughs> <laughs> but was one pound the equivalent of 200 back then? Well, it must have been, I guess. I mean, one pound is probably a lot of money for, for a young lad. Yeah, it was, yeah. But you could get it, you know, you could do, you get like tips for jobbing around the house or whatever. Uh-huh. You know. so, uh, I got the old suede shoes with the buckles on, you know, and the crepe soles. Yeah. All that. So tell us about that experience. What do you remember about going to the Cavern Club? Because it was just like a dingy oh, they, little basement, right? They were fucking great. I mean, they made me change my hairstyle. Tell me about that. I mean, that's big mm-hmm. in a kid's life. Sure. When he's been, you know, doing this all the time. You had the Elvis thing. Down, you know. Oh, yeah. We all, everybody did. Mm-hmm. He was the only thing we'd seen that we wanted to copy, you know. Until the Beatles came. Yeah. Because all the American singers were, and the English singers, were versions of Elvis, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Billy Fury and Cliff Richard, you know, when he started, can't believe it now. 
it started out really good. But it was heavy at the time, right? Well, everything was heavy at the time. Before, it was like Eric Delaney and his band, you know, and <laughs> how much is that doggy in the window? Like you said, yeah. You know. And now you got two guitars and some pounding drums. It's kind Skiffle of... was heavy. You know, and Skiffle was kind of like a rockabilly type, yeah, thing, like right? country, yeah. Because that's when the, when Paul and John met; they were in a Skiffle band, Cardi and Lennon. Yeah. So do you remember, like, uh, was it packed? Was it sweaty? Like always. Yeah, in the cafe. So Didn't matter who was on. Okay. Unless it was somebody really diabolical, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they'd have like bands at lunchtime. Used to gigs at lunchtime, and all the all the chicks would come there in curlers under the headscarf, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there eating their dinner, you know, watching the Beatles. Yeah. And then they play again that evening. So they do two shows a day. You'd have five bands on the bill every time, you know. So the Beatles would play like half an hour or something? or 40 minutes, I think. 40? Well, I mean, I was in the Rocky and Vickers, and we, we never in our lives played longer than 30 minutes. Really? Well, we'd get our clothes torn off and that, you know. Well, the, the girls would be running at yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And listen, if you see 200 chicks coming at you with scissors... For the look of your hair, you're going to outstrip them, man. I tell you, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be knees well up. That's why the Beatles were running all the time. They didn't want anyone to cut their hair. Yeah, that's right, man. Those chicks, they tore our clothes off us. Wow. So was that like in the London area? Are you talking about the Rock no, and Vickers? No, this was Manchester. Is, that was one of your first bands or your first band? One of my first bands, yeah. The Reverend Black and the Rock and Vickers. <laughs> we never paid a penny of tax. Why? Well, we didn't want to, you know, because oh. we, th- we thought we'd never had anything <laughs> off them. Why should we give them anything off us? And uh, I was making 200 a week clear, which is a, very, a real lot of money for those days. Absolutely. 66, you know. And uh, we all had, like, Siggy had a Jaguar, I don't know, for Ford's, no, I had a Jaguar. You know, the Ford Zephyr. Okay. And it was like, you know, over-the-top money, you know, mm-hmm. in your pocket. Mm-hmm. None of that are waiting around for somebody to pay you. Yeah. You know. Waiting two weeks for your check. Well, you know, we had a speedboat that we used to go water skiing on Windermere mm-hmm. in the Lake District, so we can't be bad, can it? <laughs> we had a big luxury flat in Cheatham Hill in Manchester, which horrified the locals because they were all Jewish. Oh. And a lot of them were Orthodox, you know. Mm-hmm. And we'd be out there on the lawn on towels, sunbathing with chicks all over us, you know. <laughs> the tisk, you know. So was that was that band kind of a like a you know a sixties rock type band, like a Beatles type vibe? Yeah, we used to play uh, a lot of we played the Beach Boys song, even the Bill Haley song we played. So we, we used to do a lot of good songs. We adapted a Who song for a single. Because a lot of those bands had a lot of like you know three part harmonies. Did you guys have that in the Rock and Vickers? You've t- you know, if Tom were playing a Beach no, Boys song, that's I'm, all I'm, harmonies. You know, I've never been in a band where we had good harmonies. Okay. Because these two cunts can't sing enough. <laughs> well, the drummer won't, and the guitarist can't. Tell about Phil and Mickey. Mm. <laughs> Phil but can't uh, even speak English. What are you talking about? You see, a lot of them perfectly decent voices. Most of them better than mine, but they won't sing anything because they freak out. You know, yeah. but Eddie Clark would never sing. Really? Yeah. Could he, he sing? Did, all the time I was in the band with him and Phil Taylor, he sang two songs. So he could sing, he just didn't want to. Yeah. You know, that takes a lot of guts to go in front of people and sing, though, when you first start. you know. It's just, oh, yeah. Terrified, you know, but like, it wears off. But it's, and it's hard to play and sing, too. I mean, that's something I always take great uh, respect for guys like you and, and, and Hetfield. Oh, I cheat. 
you know. Oh. I just play the straight chord. Got it. You know, you don't play the bass line or interferes with your thinking. Right, right, Singing, right. you know. That's how Sting used to start when he was a... Uh, String guy. <laughs> you know, like walking on the moon. Dun, dun, dun. Walking yeah. back to your house. Dun, dun, dun. Have you ever noticed B.B. Uh, King never plays while he's singing? Oh, really? He, he, he does a flurry of notes and then he stops and he starts, starts singing. Ah, oh, that's the secret. And then he comes into the solo, you know. Nice. See, that's the same, the little cheat, the little tricks that you can play. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the great trick that turned the rock world around was Eric Clapton tuning. How do you mean? Well, in those days, you only got the ones with the wound third. Mm-hmm. The third like, G-string was mm-hmm. wound. Mm-hmm. They were all for acoustic guitars, see? Okay. So, you know, you couldn't bend them or end them. So what, what Clapton did was he had a banjo fifth for a first string and a guitar first for a second and a second, which was playing, oh, for a wow. third. And it meant you could bend them all over the place, you know. Now, of course, you got all kinds of gauges, but we didn't have them. So was that the reason why Clapton is God? Because he was able to do things that no Oh, yeah, he, he figured it out. And he was, I mean, Jeff Beck were the first ones mm-hmm. to do it. And I guess Pagey a bit later. Because mm-hmm. Pagey was only a kid when he started doing sessions. And how about Hendrix? You know, the, the big story is that you were a roadie for Hendrix. Does that yeah. mean, like, did you go on tour with them or did you just load yeah. in one day? You did. Yeah. How did you get that gig? Uh, I didn't know anybody in London when I first went down there, mm. and I called Neville Chesters, who used to work for the Who and the, and the Mersey Beats before that, mm-hmm. who I hadn't known for a couple of years. And uh, I rang him up, I said, can I crash on your floor for a couple of days, because I haven't got anywhere to live yet. He said, sure, come over. And he was sharing the flat with Noel Redding. Who was in the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Yeah, experience, yeah. a bass player. So I was already there when they needed an extra carrier and, you know, uncoiler. <laughs> you know, that's all I ever did. I didn't have anything to do with the technical side of it. I still don't. Yeah. But um, I got to watch him for free every night. So was it like a couple of weeks or? Oh, no, it was about six months. Wow. Did you we, ever? We did TV gigs and radio shows. and So obviously you hung out with him from time to time? Yeah, I used to get acid for him. <laughs> It was one of your jobs he as a He takes roadie. seven and give me three. He takes seven and you take three. Yeah, well, you, you see, they said I said don't work two days in a row. But we found out if you double the dose, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way if something works, do more of it. I mean, I learned to play in such terrible states. I mean, I can play in anything. You know, you fill me full of sleeping pills and I'll still come up playing, you know. It was a good education. Yeah. It's like the Beatles in Hamburg. It's that kind of education. Right. That's where they first took speed. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they were playing like six Well, they were legal in Germany, and the woman in the toilet used to sell them. Oh. You know, in the old German toilet, there was that a woman uh-huh. sitting at the gate with a, you know, a load of dimes and things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Marks. Like the attendant or whatever? Fennies, you know. Yeah. Like the female, she was the bathroom attendant or whatever? Yeah, right. So they'd come down... You know, and she'd slip him a few pills. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you, you, so you have a, a pretty uh, well-schooled foundation in rock and roll education after the Vickers, and you're touring with Hendrix. And so, I, I know you were with Hawkwind for a while, but how did you start Motorhead? What, what was the idea? And well, I got fired out of Hawkwind, and I thought, well, could I get, keep getting fired for stealing the limelight, you know? Is that what it was? Yeah, I'm sure it was, yeah. Because Hawkins was a kind of a psychedelic 
Well, yeah, I mean, I was as psychedelic as they were, you know, yeah. it wasn't that. It was just our two experiences as well, and they frowned on that because they were genuine, you know, lovers of the forest and everything, you know. And they were so hypocritical, you know. Yeah. The most stone bummed on earth was our reputation, and they fired me for taking the wrong drug. Because <laughs> I've always said in my band, you can do what you want, except heroin. I won't have that near me. Heroin? Yeah, because it makes people into thieves, mm-hmm. and then it turns them into dogs, and then dead dogs, mm-hmm. right? And uh, everything else doesn't kill you. The only thing I ever saw people die on was either overdoses of sleeping pills or heroin. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever died on coke. Mm. Nobody ever died on speed. And uh, I think that's very handy, you know. <laughs> it doesn't kill you. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah let's take it. So, so um, you started Motorhead because you got kicked out of Hawkman for doing too much drugs, which is always... No, just the wrong kind. <laughs> the wrong kind of drugs, more specific. So what was your concept of putting together Motorhead? Because you came from, like, the psychedelic... I wanted band. to be the MC5, actually. Oh. Or rest. yeah. I wanted to be the MC5. MC5. I was going to get a singer, you know. And uh, it was fabulous, you know, because nobody knew how to... Or they, they were just lemons, you know, mm-hmm. personally, you know. You can't imagine being on the bus with them for three months, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's half the battle, I mean... That's, that's three quarters of the battle. Isn't it? Yeah. Because if you can't get along with them, you're stuck on the bus anyway. Yeah. So you might as well, you know, bend and shape accordingly, mm-hmm. you know. That's where you learn tolerance, you know. Right. And out compromise. In the, in the human race, yes. Right. Yeah. Compromise. But I've always said to them, my band and crew, I said, I don't care what you do either side of it. But when the gig comes, for that hour and a half, you've got to be on. Mm-hmm. you got to do your gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, I'll fire you in a minute. But apart from that, if you can handle it, you can do whatever you like, you know. Right. I've always taken gear in moderation anyway, except for acid. Mm-hmm. And I only did that for, what, five, six years. And, that, and after that, it was just TGI, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so how did the name Motorhead come about? It's American slang for speech freak. Motor, motor mouth. Oh, okay. It says it in uh, the Blues Brothers. Motor. Yeah, when you go through that that mall, you know, in the yeah. car, and you said you for Motorhead. No. Really? Yeah. I've, never, I've watched that probably twenty times. I never noticed that. I have to check it out when they're yeah. doing the mall chase, the car chase in the mall. Yeah. Pier Fifty One Imports. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how about How about Lemmy? I didn't ask you that. Where did the name Lemmy come from? I don't know. I think it's a Welsh insult. Oh, is it? Because I was at school with seven hundred Welsh kids. I was the only English kid, so I used to. Spent all my break time and lunchtime fighting these Welsh nerds, you know. Yeah. Like, I learned that it doesn't matter. Fighting doesn't matter. Because if you knock a geezer down and you win, it doesn't mean you've changed his opinion one bit. You know, he probably just is more that way because you beat him, mm-hmm. you know. So there's no point in going around being a hard man, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because there's always somebody... <laughs> He's always someone tougher, right? Yeah, if you're a gunslinger, there's always that guy with the Buntline special or the, you know, the six loader. Yeah. Who would like shoot you full of fouls, you know? <laughs> there's always somebody. Yeah, always someone tougher, that's for sure. You mean you must have gone through that with the wrestling game, right? Well, yeah, I mean, wrestling's show business, though, right? Yeah, I know, I know it is, but like, you know, but you, some blokes throw you harder than the others. Yeah, and, and even when we used to go to, like, other I mean, countries. there's just some guys, you read the thing and you. Oh, no. When you see you're up against them on the board, yeah. 
It was like that though in Japan because there was a little bit more of a of a rivalry there between uh, you know Sumo. Americans and Japanese. Sumo. But, but even the Japanese wrestlers. The, yes. You would have to really throw some stiff shots and be a little hard to kind of get a little respect, me man. It was only six years ago that they were dying to the emperor. Well, exactly. Once yeah. again, so charging into machine guns with a sword. Yeah, and stabbing themselves if they didn't do the right job. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, they're hard people. Yeah. yeah, and so you got to earn your then respect. Then never mind all that cherry blossom bullshit, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they're very repressed very by themselves and by their society. But then you'll go see them on the subway uh, reading... Yeah, but you get liberated kids and they're nuts, you well, know. Yeah. And all those cartoons, uh, the, yeah. what do you call them? You know, uh, anime? Yeah, anime, yeah. Yeah, you know, or, or magazines. I mean, those are disgusting. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, we were in Thailand, and we went to this club, and these chicks were doing all this stupid, like, one kneeling on a card table while another one swung down on her on a rope with a giant penis strapped to her. <laughs> You've been to so many countries. I mean, probably almost every country in the world, I'd imagine. Almost. Uh, India and Africa, and then I'm, I've done it. You haven't been to India? No. Okay. Never. I mean... Girls' we- school went to India. They came back and they said they were really keen, but the government wasn't. Huh. To have motorhead there. Well, we were very extreme even for America, you know. Yeah. We couldn't get arrested when we first came over here. People well, were horrified by the... Tell us, because you were so... Like, at the time, this is the heaviest band on the planet. I mean, you guys were... Like noisy. Said, noisy, yeah. loud. Very loud, yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, your bass tone is pure entwistle, which is almost another guitar. So that just... Well, it is, because I can't play bass. Not, not really good, you know. I play a sort of bastardized rhythm guitar, right? Mm-hmm. That's very right. Loud. At least your tone has I mean, that. I can play bass on it, but I'm, I mean, I'm comfortable with rhythm. I was a great rhythm player. I can't do solos on guitar, but I can play any kind of rhythm you want, you know. Which is kind of interesting, too, when you made your decision to be a trio, like Motorhead being a three-piece band. Yeah. And that's always reserved for, you know, Cream and Rush, where the bass player is very heavy, you know, a lead player almost as well. Like, yeah. like talk about the ZZ Top. ZZ yeah. Top. Every trio has, like, the bass player is just noodling at times as well, but you don't do that ever. It's all no. rhythms. I, I, I don't like that jazzy feel, mm-hmm. you know. I don't like jazz. Mm-hmm. I don't like dance music. I don't like reggae, and I don't like hip-hop. I'm a rock and roll person. Yeah. Right through, you know. But there was even a time, though, in Motorhead where we had two guitar players. What was yeah. the difference in the dynamic? For 11 there? years. For 11 years, right. That's a big chunk of your history. He died, you know. I heard Wurzel passed away just a few years ago, right? Yeah. He hadn't been in the band. He was for pouring a, few a drink years. at the time. Oh, was he? Okay. <laughs> it's rock and roll. He got to be a really bad drunk. It's a shame. Is that why you had to let him go? He left about three times, and we talked to him back twice. But the third time, he wouldn't do it, and he went back to the woman who talked him out of the band. And then, of course. You have no conception of what it's like to be together all the time mm-hmm. if you're in a band. Mm-hmm. Away for three months, you know, come back for a month, go away for a month, come back for three months, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not used to seeing you every day. Yeah, yeah. And they don't like it. Mm-hmm. So then the thing breaks up, the relationship, and then you got the guy sitting there with his dick in his hand with no, no job. Yeah, he lost his gig and he lost his girl. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, was there a different, uh, was it interesting or, or weird going back to the one guitar after having two guitars for 11 years? No, we, we were going to advertise for another guitar player after he left. Mm-hmm. And Phil said, listen, boys, listen, boys. Yeah, this bass. Uh, I, I, I want to try to be on my own, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you'll have to take over a lot of rhythm as well, you know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. So I, I, 
And he has, you know. I mean, the first... Because he never moved before. It was me and Russell did all the running around. His Phil used to be, like, nailed to the stage, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then this first night in Germany, this thing flashed past me, and it was Phil. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, down on the knees and everything. Yeah. The funniest one was Brian May, who apparently had always always wanted to play with Motorhead. Really? Right? He came down to Brixton's um, Academy. He played there, right? Mm-hmm. Brixton Academy one night. And uh, he came on for Overkill. Because he always stood, like, fairly still with Queen, Brian, you know. yeah. He let Freddie do all the work. Flashed past me on the knees. Ah, you know, it was great. And he came off stage and he was almost dying. He said, Said that was great. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how many, uh, how much influence you've had on <clears throat> so many different musicians from so many generations? I think it's the influence that rock and roll has, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't mean a thing until two years ago. You didn't mean a thing until two years ago? No. How do you mean? Well, it was the movie that did it, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Because it was number one in the DVD charts in Billboard for three weeks or something. Interesting. So that kind of gave you uh, credibility. Well, nobody got me in front of people. Oh, right. You know, who, who never saw us, people like in, you know, Mississippi, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Alabama, you know, because we never seemed to have got gigs in them states. We had one in Alabama mm-hmm. once, Montgomery, but we never played Mississippi. We, pl- we played Tennessee about three times, it, Memphis and Nashville, you know. It's interesting how something like that, like a movie, can make such a big difference. I remember when, that, when the Anvil movie came out. I know, yeah, ago, for that, a few minutes you were back on top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they didn't have, I mean, obviously Motorhead is Motorhead, so it's a different world, but people see it and they get the mainstream exposure and suddenly you're the... You're the I mean, they toured with us back in 60, 79, you know. Anvil did. Yeah. Anvil, yeah. Yeah. But you've toured with a lot of, of bands. I mean, when, when you're talking about, you said again like in the early Aerosmith days... Aerosmith supported us once. Aerosmith supported you? Not in Hawkwind. Oh, in Hawkwind? Yeah. Wow. And... uh Let's see who else. Rush supporters. Yeah, that must have been interesting. Well, I, I, Two Rickenbacker bass players. I don't really like his voice a lot. Yeah, know. it's a little grating. I don't like them high voices, mm-hmm. mostly. Because mm-hmm. you don't have one. Well, no, it's not that. I mean, I'd like to have a bit of greater range because it's more fun, you know. Mm-hmm. I've got a fairly good range, as it is. Mm-hmm. I mean... I do all the harmonies on all the albums, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and you have a, a naturally gruff voice, too, so you're just singing within your range yes, what you gruff, do best, you know. Yes. Is gruff the word? Sounded grill, like a griller on Valium, yeah. <laughs> so when you guys first started Motorhead, you mentioned, like, how you were so noisy and so loud. It was the heaviest thing uh, on the planet at the time. How were you received at I first? I don't know. Led Zeppelin was still going. Yeah, but you guys are faster, though. Yeah, a you lot know, faster. A lot fa- I think that's what I mean, like the heavy and fast. It was almost like early speed metal or thrash metal or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What kind of a response did you get? Were people going like, what the hell's wrong with these guys? Or Yeah, kind of. I mean, we, we did the Aussie, the first Aussie tour on his own. Oh, the Blizzard, Blizzard of Oz. Oz, you know. Uh-huh. We did half of that tour and Kiss did the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And we, we used to go on and do a half hour. And most of the audience was... Just staring, mouth agog. Yeah, or, or out the door, you know. <laughs> Covering their ears. Yeah. <laughs> how did Ozzy, I mean, how, how did, uh, how was your relationship with Ozzy at the time? Because he was insane at that point, too. Oh, uh, he was freaking crackers, yeah. I thought he was going to die. 
from just all the partying or yeah because he'd take dope he'd take drugs he's on his own you know that's, by himself that's a shame you know like yeah yeah because that's going to get to you at least he could find an impasse out you know but his wife saved him I've never seen anybody save anybody so from such a, a deep hole and bring him back up you know we can all be proud of her well especially in his his entire career you know, oh, yeah, and they keep having these terrible fights, you know, because she'll climb over the table and smack you in the mouth, you know, she don't care. <laughs> I mean, uh, there, there was one last night, actually, she was on a talk show and there was this model, and she was going, well, you know, you're married to us, you're you know, all that, and, you know, you're not really one of the, you're not very pretty, you know, showing her up and threw a drink over on <laughs> live TV. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny with rockers because we're all scared of our mothers or whatever. And Sharon comes across as your mom yelling at you when she's mad. Well, no, no, she's a, a lot better than that. Okay, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> Her father was Don Arden, who was like a very short guy, stocky, you know. Mm-hmm. And everybody was in fear of him. Mm-hmm. There was a story that I don't know if it's true. Probably is. He went hung Marriott over the balcony of the Holiday Inn. Who did he hang? By his legs, Steve Marriott from oh, the wow, Small Faces. Yes. He said, sign the contract. And, small, and Steve said, F- you. And he let go of one leg. He said, have you got a pen? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, so that's it. It's too good to be true, really, this story. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but he was kind of like that reputation, you know. And Sharon learned a lot of mm-hmm. tricks from tricks him, like from body that. language and, you know, when to shout and when to talk, you know, yeah. and all that. Because it is an, an art that is as much as being a musician is. Well, you need to have that team almost. You, you know? have to be a personality almost rubs people the wrong way, you know. And and if necessary, we can turn a few more volts on, you know. Like, <laughs> if you're going to be a cunt, you can have one straight back. I don't mind. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Do what you like. How did you uh, uh, think about Randy Rhodes? Did you ever watch him play? Oh, yeah, every night, you know, because you would, you know. Because mm-hmm. this was, those were Ozzy's real glory days, his first album, and with Randy, you know, Randy was so good. And he was tiny, you know. Like, people don't realize those small like eyes. a doll's clothes hanging up in the dressing room. Wow. He was really, really small. He was like, like about Ronnie James Dio, about the same size, right? Yeah. But, and they, they were both um, incredible musicians. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, like, solo, short, fat or thin, you can still do it. They played like giants. Yeah, well, you know, he, he was a giant. doesn't yeah. matter about how tall you are to be a giant. Yeah, right, right, right. Being tall ain't a giant, that's just being awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a good guy, though, Randy? Yeah, he was a good I mean, I beat him at, at asteroids all the way across America. <laughs> I think he'd have been good at it with all that. Yeah, there's dexterity you know. the fingers, but you got it too, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I, I ain't got so much anymore. My hands are starting to stiffen up. I was going to ask you about that. Is it, is it getting harder to play to play bass? Yeah, a little bit, but I can still do it. Once we we did uh, eight shows in festivals, you know, mm-hmm, recently, mm-hmm. and it was like really hard the first couple, but then it evened out again. Mm-hmm. I was getting better towards the end of it. Is it harder to sing at this point or play bass? Which no, one? no, I don't have any difficulty doing it. It's Sing- just, it ties me out more. Gotcha. Quicker. You know? Do you ever see like a point where um, maybe you'd have somebody else play bass and you just sing? Could you even do that? 
I don't know what to do with my hands, you know. <laughs> yes, what do you do? It's very different, you know, the, playing the guitar and just singing. Yeah. It's very, very different, because I used to do that when we had Phil Anne Wurzel. Phil would play bass, and I used to sing this one song that I didn't like playing bass on, you know. Mm -hmm. So, But it was really, it's really tricky, you know, it's, a, it's an art. Yeah. I'd say one of the best I've ever seen is probably Bruce Dickinson. As a front man? And Dave Grohl. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they are the ultimate front man. Well, Dave has the guitar, though, right? Dave. Yeah, played, yeah, yeah, but he's such a good front Great man. Great front man, yeah. I mean, he talks to the crowd and they just lap it up, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that feels like that, too. I find James is real personable with the crowd also. Yeah. You know? But I, I, think, I, I think as an actual front man, Bruce could be the best in metal. One of them, anyway. Yeah. For sure. Who do you think about in rock and roll? Who's the well, best? Well, Ozzy has such charisma oh, right. about sure. him. Ozzy walks on stage and you don't look at the band. No. You look at him. And yeah. I don't care. You know, some t some nights he's off key and that. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's live it's rock. Ozzy. It's clapping. And look what he went through. He went through a lot more drugs than me. Mm -hmm. He started earlier, you know, with Black Sabbath. They were going since 1972. Mm -hmm. I didn't start till 75, you know. Yeah, right. You got three years on me, the bastard. <laughs> Did you guys ever hang out on that first tour and just get loaded? A couple of times, yeah, but he was starting to withdraw. Then he got very withdrawn for a while, and then he came back a bit. And then I, when I came to Libya, I wrote a couple of songs for him mm -hmm. on the... Uh, yeah, on the No More Tears record. No More record. Tears album, and on Os Osmosis. Right. But the No More Tears, I mean, Mom, I'm Coming Home, that could be his top two or three biggest songs and you it, it was funny me and him was, was both doing interviews in this German festival in his tent you know mm -hmm. and this guy said so Ozzy this uh, mama I'm coming home is uh, one of the most personal heart heart rending messages I have ever personally heard how did you come to be able to write this he said he wrote it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. bubble burst. <laughs> wah, 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 Out wah, under wah. the door, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that must have made you a, a couple bucks, the, the songs that you wrote. I didn't get royalties. I sold them for a straight shot because I was broke. Wow. I sold them years in Motorhead. Our management just spent it all. Oh, man. We had all these big, elaborate stage things that you couldn't take in all the theaters, you know. Especially in America, we never had the bomber here. Yeah, we had a, a dummy locomotive on tracks, yeah, yeah. and the drummer sat in front of the boiler, you know. Okay, that's not a bad stage set. One time we had a set of steps each side and a walk across the top, and I had this great idea. I thought I'd go up there, and the lights would flicker for a bit, and I'd go off, and they'd stick a dummy up there, and his head explodes, you know. Did you do it? No, you okay. never got around to it. <laughs> you never got around to it. Maybe you'll still get to that one of these There's days. There's another idea Mickey had. Is at the end of the solo, he throws the stick up in the air, and you wait about two minutes, and then about 200 sticks will land them. <laughs> well, and you got, you know, uh, the Lord Axsmith, the uh, the head of comedy, or whatever it is, too. He told me a couple of good ones with bringing the donkey on stage. and Yeah, I know. He's freaking funny. Welsh wanker on his guitar strap. Roger's bitch. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you enjoying this so far? I know I am. This is true rock and roll history with a rock and roll legend. More with Lemmy right now. You got a great sense of humor, though. I mean, did you like, uh, obviously, I mean, growing up in England, I grew up in Canada. Yeah. So the, the CBC was an offshoot of the BBC. So we saw yeah. all... Monty you know, Python. Monty and Python. And for me, it was Faulty Towers. That, yeah, me, yeah, that's great. Still the best character of all time is Basil Faulty. <laughs> well, you know, the others weren't bad either. Manuel was great. Great yeah. too, yeah. And the Major. The Major. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not mention the war. Yeah, I, I, I must have liked to, you know, because I took her to see India, old boy. India Major? It wasn't a time when people pulled a gun at the very mention of a bad word, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, it's got very touchy these days, yeah. this political correctness. Right. Now you can shock people to death with one naughty word, you know. Yeah. We're some of the biggest countries for Motorhead. I mean, you guys have such a huge fan base. Germany. Yeah, that's the one. Germany and, uh, let's see, for a while, Japan, because we used to go over there more. Mm-hmm. We haven't been over there for a while now. Sweden, partly because Mickey lives there, but partly we were going over there before that anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to be very good in France at one point. We used to tour a lot in France. But then the French record companies demanded that all the French bands sing in French. Hmm? They wouldn't put the records out. Really? Yeah, that's why you got all these rock groups singing in French at that period. You no know, kidding? Like 79, 80. Really? Yeah, it was fucking so stupid. Because you can be heard in Quebec, mm-hmm. you know, France, Montanique. <laughs> and uh, Cambodia, you know, <laughs> Vietnam. That, that's your recording public, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's the extent of where you can play. It's not going to work, is it, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, let's talk about the, um, I mean, you mentioned that Motorhead didn't mean anything until a couple of years ago, which well, I would I mean, we were, we were known, people knew who we were, a lot of them, but we weren't a band that you stopped to listen to. Sure. We didn't sell any albums here until the last one, really. Yeah, and the last one was first American hit in the top, top, uh, top forty. Top forty, top, top. Number yeah. twenty-two, you know, it's, it's pretty good for Motorhead. But but you've become an, an icon, you know. Yeah, me I the know icon. it's really weird. I, I yeah. don't know, you know. I don't know. People must be sure something to worship, you know. <laughs> but it's better if, than if they worship God, you know. I suppose. <laughs> so they say, oh, "Let me your God, man." I said, "No, no, God's taller." <laughs> But how is it for you to see yourself like in a video game or, uh, you know... You get used to it, you know. Yeah. I always wanted to be a rock and roll star. Mm-hmm. Not a rock, not a pop star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not really a rock star. I like to be, you know, somebody who is admired for being a decent person, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think most of it comes from. Well, I think one of the things is that you are a decent person. You're always really nice and friendly. I mean, I'm sure you've got a... Uh, uh, angry side, but you know the times we've hung out. And I see you backstage at Golden Gods with all the young band guys that come up to you. Always really nice, and uh, well, why not, man? Yeah, right. That's what's wrong with a lot of America. You know, you got to be drive a, a Ram truck. You know, mm-hmm. God's glory, Ram. You know, until it breaks down, right? And then it's a a a Automobile Association of America. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you have a, a Lemmy action figure? I have one in my house. I can't yeah, see Yeah, the silver one. Oh, the silver one. Nice. They, 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 it was weird. They did a silver one and a gold one. Two flesh-colored ones with different outfits and different guitars. Mm-hmm. And a black one. Like where Lemmy's everything, black? Everything oh, was flat black. black. Okay. Guitar, figure, everything. Did you uh, have to sit there and get scanned? Overkill. 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 Did you have to get scanned for the for the action figure? The what? Stand. The computer scan? Like, did they have to scan oh, your yeah. face? Oh, yeah. Uh, to stand on this revolving stage in the camera. Yeah. Got the whole angle. So that's actually me as I looked then. Yeah. You know. That's cool stuff. Yeah, I, remember, I remember reading the story about when you mentioned uh, you're talking about the action figure and asked if they were going to put a dick on it. Yeah, and they said, no, I said, we're hardly going to see any action then, is it? <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> How important is uh, is it to you to still make new records and put out new music? Oh, it's, well, it's what I do. It's mm-hmm. what I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a job. This is your life, you know, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you can't have another job and do this. Right. To give it your all, right? Because a lot of bands now, like, you know. It's going to be everything you got because it'll take that. To make it, you know, and you've got to, you've got to come out smiling, or it isn't worth doing in the first place. Right. You know, if, if it gets too much for you, then give it up, man, and go and be a sheet metal presser, because you'll be more, you know, regular wages, and you'll you'll get laid every night if you want to, you know, and have them cute kids, and next week we're hoping to get a council house, you know. <laughs> so you you know you can go and do that, but I couldn't do that. See, I just couldn't do it. My father got me a job at a factory when I was 15, and I left school, and uh, to keep an eye on me because he worked there as well. So mm-hmm. A hot point washing machine factory in Llandudno Junction, which is like where God would put an enema if he, you know, <laughs> he'd put the tube. If he had diarrhea. You know. <laughs> so uh, I went through that thing where you know you clock on at 7:30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. You're already working the machine by 7:34, you know. Yeah. And then you go all day with a break for lunch and a, a five-minute break in the mornings and afternoons, and you're home by six. F- that. Yeah, and then 30 years later, they give you a gold watch. And, yeah, I know. Uh, if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're a star trainer, you know, worker. I saw a guy try to clean his machine while it was still going. Mm-hmm. He took his arm off of the elbow, you know. Because they have machines that... Like them robots to make cars, right? Yeah. But miniature versions of it, they just stick the part in and then they go, you know. Yeah. And he, he, he like, dozed off on the job or something. He tried to clean it while it was still going. Oh, that could be it, right? He wasn't even screaming when he went out. He was just going. Looking yeah. at his stump. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, because uh, uh, the reason why I asked about the new records is a lot of bands like Aerosmith or Motley Crue say like, ah, it's too hard to make a new record, but then other bands like yourself or Saxon or Iron Maiden still putting out records on a regular basis. Yeah. Still important. Well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. You you play on the stage and the audience stays where it is, you know, and then you you got to keep giving them stuff to like, you know, mm-hmm. because they, they pay your wages. And it's fun for you, too, to play new material. Oh, yes, of course you know. it is. I remember we went to a radio station, you and I, in Phoenix back in about yeah. 2003. Remember that? Yeah. You guys were doing the Maiden Tour. And uh, we went to the record, uh, the radio station, and they were going to play a Motorhead song. And he said, like, oh, we're going to play, here it is, Ace of Spades. You're like, you do realize that we have a new record. You could play something from that, too. And you had it in your back pocket. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was Inferno. Does it, I mean, is it kind of a... 
I'm never going to say it's a curse, but is it kind of like a blessing, and blessing sometimes and a curse, curse to have such a huge song and that's all people want to hear? I only mentioned them before in Britain. It didn't even get released here. So what made that such a classic tune or such a popular tune? I don't know. People just latched onto it. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's not special. I, I think it's like one of our songs. Yeah. You, you know? have better songs. You have worse songs. Yes. Yeah. We do have better songs. You know, I mean, the songs we're writing now are better, you know. But that was the old band, you know, and there's all that. And so it's mostly sure. people over 40 who like it the most, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lemmy, my man, Ace of Spades, man. Yeah, I see, yeah, nothing worse. <laughs> yeah. But um, from Sacrifice, no, I won't say that. I'll say from Inferno onwards with Cameron. All our albums have been excellent. I agree. I mean, it seems like each one is better than the last. Yeah, well, this one is better than the others. Aftershock, uh, yeah. I liked Inferno a lot, and I liked um, Motorizer. Mm-hmm. I liked all of them with him, you know. Kiss of Death was good. A lot of good songs on it. Yeah, I remember you, you taught me, though, you said, make sure you always carry a copy of your new album when you go into a radio station. Oh, yeah, because they make won't sure. have one. They won't have one, yeah. And I always do that, man. And you're right. Not, man, maybe eight times out of ten, they don't have it. Or yeah. They'll just have it, look it up digitally online. It's and they got one song. That's it, yeah. One song, maybe two albums. The singer, the, the record company, they're pushing them. Yeah. You know, so here you go. And they haven't played it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how and they always send the sound on in the booth, don't they, when they're playing the record. Yeah. It's like, I want to hear it. The DJs don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. What they're playing. <laughs> how uh, important was it when you did uh, Triple H's theme song, which was about probably 10 years ago or so, and that really, like, that took Motorhead that, to That brought us too. to the public eye a bit. Yeah. The trouble was, whenever we played live with him, he always lost. <laughs> <laughs> You're a jinx, man. We played with him in New York, and he lost. Mm-hmm. We played with him in L.A., and he lost. We played with him, they flew us down to Texas, and he lost there, too. Austin. <laughs> man, see? If he would play, if, if Ozzy would have played, they only would have won. And then the, the last one I went to, we actually won. Okay. And I said, well, it's about time, man, you know. Did you play for him that night? No, no. Well, see, that's why he won. Yeah, that's why he won. Yeah. <laughs> how did that uh, come to be? I mean, how, I think he was a huge Motorhead fan. Did he approach you guys? And Yeah, he um, apparently somebody played in Bomber and the car driving somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Did you? Those are the guys I want to do my theme song. Had you ever been familiar with wrestling? Did you used to watch it all in England, or did you know about it in the States? Or what, wrestling? Wrestling, yeah. Oh, we had British wrestling, yeah. We had Were you the, ever a fan of it? It was really, no. Okay. It was too choreographed, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you have to be really careful with it. Mm-hmm. That's it looks really false, you know, and you don't want it to look false. Well, it's I a, mean, it can be three-quarters rehearsed, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be false. It's got to be like anything in show business. You have to commit to it. Yeah. It's like going to see a band. If you, if they don't believe it, if you get hit over the back with a with a metal chair every yeah. night, you're going to miss it when you stop. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not quite the same, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the first one to do that? To get hit with a metal chair? Hit somebody with a metal chair. I remember seeing that in, in the '70s. I grew up a wrestling fan. I remember it's seeing that, that big guy, wasn't he? Well, these not, are, not not big show. Um, Andre the Giant. No. Hulk Hogan. No, no, it was, uh, he, he was still going in your era. I'm trying to think who he might be. I think he seems to have, I have to be on a bit now. 
He rock. must still be doing that. I'm following. Steve Austin of the Rock. I mean, I remember in the '70s going to wrestling. There'd be big guys, looks like big beer bellies, just kind of old. I know, guys. yeah, and why? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be kind of almost and ridiculous like, suits on. Yeah, <laughs> but like the Mexicans have got the prize for that. Oh yeah, those masks. Oh yeah, yeah, Lucha Libre. Uh, I didn't know about him. We did a gig in Bakersfield, uh-huh. and uh, we played in this Mexican like uh, yeah, bullerina wrestling ring. Okay, yeah. You know, and we played in um, in the ring, and they were all around us. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, there's all these photographs of, and they have weird names too. I don't remember them, but they were so strange. Oh yeah, they all got the strange names. You Do- know, Doctor Uncle and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a big fan base in, in South America. I mean, people are crazy down there. For they are, they are crazy down yeah. there. It's freaking. The first time we went to Argentina, we played with the Ramones. Just us and the Ramones, no support band. Wow. And who, was, uh, who was on top? You guys or the Ramones? Who was last? Ramones. Last, okay. Uh, 53,000 people showed up. <sighs> and they were doing football songs. Like, gender, 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 And when you hear 53,000 people doing that, it's very effective. Ole, 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 ole. Yeah, yeah. I came out at one point, and that thing that Ozzy... T- Said it was happening outside my room. A circle of them with monks' robes on, you know. Outside your room? What are you guys doing? You know, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. Manuel, Kate, okay. Kate, okay. Manuel, Casey was. Yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Richards. Yes. Mrs. Richards, is this a piece of your brain? <laughs> yes. We were, we were expecting this is Torquay, as advertised. We were expecting the Hanging Garden to Babylon. Babylon. <laughs> Herds of wildebeest sweeping majestically. <laughs> what? What? You heard that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that on DVD? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Let's talk one more thing about uh, about Metallica and how uh, how much respect the band has had for you and how much you've done with them over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lars obviously a huge Motorhead fan. Right from the get go. Right from the get go. Do you, did he ever come see you guys back? I mean, I used, oh, yeah. used to follow Deep Purple around and. Well, he showed up at the hotel when we first came to L.A. with Motorhead. Really? And uh, he showed up, and that was with Brian Robertson, you know. So it was like 81 or something? Oh, or? no, it, it wasn't. It was with Eddie. Yeah. 80, 81 it would be. 80, 80 or 81. No, 81 was the year we did Ozzy. Uh-huh. It would have been 82. And uh, he came over with Cliff Burton, you know, and he said he was the president of our West Coast fan club, and... He was the vice president, you know. And there's only them two. So he was the president and Cliff was the vice president. Well, if you start it, you, you're going to be of the course. vice, aren't you? Yeah. And they had two members. <laughs> yes, I, I formed my own band because I was thinking of getting fired, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can't fire me now, you bastard. <laughs> what did you think of Metallica when you first heard them? When I first heard them, they chopped and changed rhythms too much for me. Because mm. I like a groove, you yeah. Know? Um, although we've done it more since that became fashionable, but we've never been every song, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then after, let's see, Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. they were unstoppable after that. Well, when you talk about like say Kill 'Em All, I mean, as heavy as Motorhead and fast as Motorhead yeah. was in like '77, yeah. Metallica kind of upped the ante in like '83. Yeah, Heaviest band, and then this band's even faster than Motorhead. Oh, yeah, well, you know, they're going to be younger. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I used to wring my shirt out with sweat, you know, mm-hmm. into a bucket. 
after gigs. Yeah, I've done and that. now I don't sweat much at all, hardly. Yeah, we get older, and that's just how. But I, I, my legs retain water now, mm-hmm. so I think it's going in yeah, instead yeah. of being sweated out. So, just a couple more questions. What do you, um, what do you see for yourself? You are you ever going to stop, Len? Do you ever want to stop? I never want to stop, but obviously you'll come to a stage where you can't do it anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if the legs go all together, I'll be in a wheelchair and I ain't going on no stage in no wheelchair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They'll have to strap me to a frame and <laughs> wheel me out there. <laughs> like Hannibal Lecter, they could just put you on one of those ah, yeah, right, carts and just trolleys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> difficult singing with the mask on, though. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever uh, have you, do you get any inspiration from from the Stones and from McCartney still going at seventy one seventy two yeah, sure. still I mean, rolling? Well, the Jagger's a lot fitter than me. Mm-hmm. Keith isn't. Yeah, and Ronnie isn't. Yeah, because Ronnie was in a band called the Birds, you know, way back. B I R D S. Oh, okay, not the B Y R D S. No, mm-hmm. he was in the English Birds. It used to be the Thunderbirds, and then they just went the, the Birds, mm-hmm. and they were sort of half mud, half long hair. You know, which he still has. But they were great. Mm-hmm. I thought they were great. We used to follow them around, and I remember we went to see him in Manchester, and then we couldn't get a ride home, and they let us sleep in their van. Oh, with all the guitars in it, you know, because <laughs> you you carried everything. Yeah, in one van. In one in van, right? And you slept in it too. I mean, there's yeah, there's only two of us, Rody and Hendrix. Oh wow! You two. guys would set up everything. Well, we didn't have a big PA. So. Yeah, but still. You use the house system. Wow. How bad must it have been? And yet it didn't seem to be. Well, it's like the Beatles at Shea Stadium played through the announce system. Yeah, right. Well, they played through them everywhere. Wow. Because they only had Vox AC30s. But the, the amazing thing is when they played DC, mm-hmm. it's four-sided theatre, mm-hmm. right? And after the first song, they moved around to this side. So the amps are facing away from them. And all the screaming, they couldn't hear a thing. Nothing. And the, it's perfect. Yeah, when you watch it back, they're perfectly in tune. It perfectly. Harmonies. Yeah. Everything. That's just because they were played together so many times. They're so tight, right? Well, a lot of people have played together that many times because they didn't last that long. Yeah. 62 to, what, 69? Well, if that. Oh, the Beatles, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. And they played their last gig in 1969, was it? No, 66. 66 in San Francisco. They just yeah. closed Candlestick Park. McCartney closed Park, it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's only, what, four years? On the main stage, yeah. And maybe six, I think they started gigging in 60 or 61. Yeah. In Hamburg, right? Yeah. If you saw them at the Cavern Club, it was probably I saw them at the Cavern so. in 62. 62. And they were still fulfilling old contracts. Right. You know? Did you ever meet any of the Beatles? I met George and Ringo. I never wanted to meet John because I thought he would never get a word in. You know? <laughs> and uh, McCartney was always the. He was very awkward on stage, McCartney, always, when he was announcing. Thank you very much. Uh, we'd like to play a song off our new LP. This next song? Yeah, and this song is called... <laughs> yeah. You know, he was really awkward. And Lennon used to do that spastic thing, you know. Yeah. You're only all the clap around. I'm young. Yeah. And stamp your feet. He would just take the piss out of everything. Oh, no. Because they couldn't yeah. hear anything, right? Mom, mom, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see Shea Stadium, he's playing on with his, with oh, his yeah. elbow. And that was the Hollywood Bellman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Hollywood Bellman, yeah. yeah. You could tell he, he was just good. He was over it, you know? Neville, who was with me and Hendrix's crew, mm-hmm. went to work for Apple after. Oh, really? And I used to get 
all all the outtakes that came out on that uh, Let It Be, you know. Oh, okay. From the movie, you mean, or from the... From the no, just, uh, just the records, okay. yeah. But, like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff on there that they never released. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Lodi Miss Clody, you know, all them. There's a lot of songs that you hear about that they've never released, and I'm wondering why they won't just open that vault, you know, put it out. Well, because, you know, they got very perfectionist. Yeah. And sure. those were mostly recorded in a bad acoustic room mm-hmm. with terrible equipment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a place where people didn't like him, so, you know. What was George like? Did you have a conversation with him or did you just meet him in passing? He seemed no, like he just, was cool. just said, I, you know, I, I know what, what they went through. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be one of them. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, yeah. You're not going to be one of those fanboys, right? Not one of them people that camps out in your bathroom after climbing through your window. <laughs> he came in through the bathroom window. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it was ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. They were really unable to go anywhere. They were on the Eamon Andrews show one night. He was this famous interviewer person. He was like our Johnny Carson Mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, so tell me, George, is it it difficult for you to go to restaurants and things now? And George said, no, I was there the other day. He said, well, he said, restaurants. (laughs) That's really English, you know. Yeah, well, that's what they were, though. Very cheeky, you know. Very English. Yeah, Yeah. he didn't give a f*** about anybody. Yeah. I mean, they they wouldn't come to the states to live in number one. Mm-hmm. You know that. I know. They refused. That's the, that's the audacity they had, and the confidence they had. It's like, yeah, arrogance. Yeah. Yeah, arrogant young. F- and then when they came over press conference, they, those people came wanting to hate them, yeah. and they just wouldn't stop with the remarks, and the jokes, and the comments. You know, yeah. they didn't care because they were they were a gang. Oh yeah, he's know? Ringo. Oh, I, I'm really Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have that uh, relationship now with the guys in your band with Phil and Mick? You guys have been together for. 25 years I mean yeah, you must really yeah, like yeah, being there Phil's been in for 30 yeah most of his life yeah has been a motorhead and they say the classic lineup was Eddie Clark and Phil Taylor mm-hmm. Eddie was in the band for 7 years you yeah, know right? yeah because that's when you did Ace of Spades I mean if he's getting the George Cross Phil should get the Medal of Honor <laughs> <laughs> a couple last questions what songs do you guys play live that people still go nuts for like what are your favorite ones to do that always get the biggest reactions uh, well, Ace of Spades, obviously. Yeah. Overkill. Mm-hmm. Killed by Death. Everybody, they always sing along with that. Everybody That's a classic one, song. yeah. What um, a great song title, too, Killed by Death. Yeah, I know. It was from The Goon Show. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow. He was killed by death. <laughs> I think he said murdered by death, because yeah. there would be impeachment in that. That, that, does, that doesn't sound as good. Luke's, Luke's a, a footprint. We haven't got time for your image. Um, impersonations now. <laughs> <laughs> what was Stay Clean about? Stay Clean was about staying true to yourself, really. Ah. You know, I, I know the law, because everybody knows the law. Mm-hmm. That's why they did the evil in the dark. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, you don't get any murderers stalking people in daylight, do mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's, uh, everybody knows what's right and wrong, and I don't give a what anybody says. You don't need to mollycoddle murderers. In jail, you know, the, you you know Molly Coddle? Yeah, it means pamper, you gotcha. know. Whatever. Great word. Yeah, I'll write that down. Is, yeah. He's talking about blackguard. Blackguard? Blackguard. Oh, blackguard. It's, it's all one word, blackguard. What's that? It's a bastard. You a know, rogue. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, gotcha. A rogue, yes. <laughs> a hobbledehoy. <laughs> hobbledehoy is a peasant, you know. 
what is that? Is that old English? Or is that yeah, slang? Or it's, well, it was you know still in use when I was a kid, mm. but we've moved a lot on since then. America ruined us. <laughs> it's good <laughs> for good. What's your favorite Motorhead record? I mean, besides Aftershock. Oh, I sure. don't know, man. It's hard you, to say. You always right? say the last one. Yeah, you know? I really don't know. I mean, there's good songs on all of them, and there's on some there's a bit of filler. I didn't like Iron Fist, you know, because. There's some great songs on it, but there's some real turkeys as well. I think we were getting tired of being the glamour boys in England, and we wanted to go to America, like, you know. We were just on the brink of going there, I think, when I first came out, weren't we? Mm -hmm. That came out in 82, that's the year that he left. Yeah, we'd been been over here about four times, I think, that he and Phil. And they were crippled tours, you know, like the Ozzy Osbourne tours. It was easy money compared with the ones we did on our own. What do you mean by that? Five nights on, one night off. Oh, yeah, because you got to pay the bills. Yeah. A night off means you're spending money. Well, we were spending money, all right. Yeah. You know, because we always had fairly good money, but we couldn't get released here for ages. And then we had people like Legacy Records out in New York. They were awful, you know? Just smaller record companies? I don't know, they seem to get a lot of English bands on that label, probably because mm-hmm. we were too extreme for America then. Right. Because yeah, America too. didn't get extreme you know, metal until much later mm-hmm. than England. Didn't get punk so much later than England. Especially the combination of you guys. And the Sex Pistols could not have happened in the States. Nearest you had to them was like the Bad Brains or somebody. You mm-hmm. know? I think it's like what you said. If you don't, you know, it's hard to translate to Middle America and you know Alabama and Arkansas. Yeah, you do something so extreme. That's why rock and roll is still always kind of underground. I know. In the I, that's the way I like it too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always liked being an outlaw. You know, that's why I dress as one. Because you know? <laughs> I'm one. Yeah. How do you mean by that? Just quickly, Re- like a rebel? Well, just, yeah. It's like like Marlon Brando in the Wild One. Mm-hmm. What are you rebelling against, Johnny? What have you got? <laughs> <laughs> on that note man Lem <laughs> great talking to you man thank you it's been very cool to sit in your house like this yeah, it's nice to see you I really did hang out with Lemmy at his apartment in Los Angeles we spent nearly two hours talking uh, I was there for almost four hours and it was just amazing I mean uh, to be invited into Lemmy's house uh, like I said, he's got all of the Nazi memorabilia, all of the artifacts on the wall, Eva Braun's cigarette lighter, uh, Hitler's cutlery. And just to sit there and hang out, I realized after a while that Lemmy, uh, you know, he is an icon. He is a rock and roll hero, a pioneer, a legend. He's just a guy and maybe uh, maybe even a little bit lonely that day and happy that I was over to be hanging out with him. And it was a blast. And uh, afterwards, he said, I like having conversations with guys who can come back with uh, additional information about my stories. I think he dug the fact that um, that I'm a, also a Faulty Towers fan, an English humor, English comedy fan. I think he, he appreciated that. And um, we had a really, really good time. And he wants. He said, "Come back anytime you want to." So, anytime you get a chance to hang out with Lemmy and uh, have a couple of vodkas and just sit next to a dude who's seen so much and done so much. And um, I've known Lemmy for years. He's always been very cool to me, very supportive. And the fact that he did talk is Jericho. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, very, very timely, considering that Lemmy just played with Dave Grohl at his birthday bash. Just a few nights ago at the LA Forum. How cool was that? Surprise guests, including four Talk is Jericho alumni Paul Stanley, 
was there. Zach Wild was there. Slash was there. Lemmy was there. Now I just got to get uh, David Lee Roth, who was also there. Hit at David Lee Roth up on the Twitter and let him know that he should do Talk is Jericho. Uh, Lemmy, thank you so much, man. You are a true gentleman, a true rock and roll legend, and what a great guy. And long live Lemmy. Hopefully he uh, goes on for a long, long, long time. And I can't wait to go back to his house and hang out and look at the rest of his artifacts. Because he should open the museum. Like I said, it literally would take hours. And he knows about every single piece of history that's on his wall. He could be a, a museum curator. Here's your museum curator, Lemmy. Uh, I hope you dug it. I know I did. Don't forget Hulk Hogan last week, part one, part two. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're not, you need to check it out. It's a monumental show. Ryback, JBL, Paul Stanley, Snake Sabo, Bischoff, and Pritchard. Don't forget January 25th. It's the great debate. Bruce Pritchard versus Eric Bischoff debating the Monday Night Wars. I will be moderating it. We will be recording it for a future talk as Jericho. January 25th at Dave and Buster's in Philadelphia, Columbus Avenue. It's at 1 p.m. Come check it out before you go to the Royal Rumble, before you watch the Royal Rumble. Uh, And I will be there at 10 a.m. for a special VIP signing. Go to rfvideo.com for all information. You do not want to miss this. Pritchard versus Bischoff, the great debate on the Monday Night Wars, live in person, Dave and Buster's January 25th, moderated by Chris Jericho. Also live and in person, Cinderblock Party World Tour 2015 in the UK, Ireland, Europe. It's with the Dirty Youth, one of the biggest up-and-coming bands in England right now. Starts March 4th in Belfast, Ireland. 5th, Cork. 6th, Dublin. 7th, Nottingham. 8th, Wolverhampton. 9th, Manchester. 10th, Glasgow. 11th, London. 12th, Bristol. 13th, Exeter. 14th, Southampton. 15th, Brighton. Head on over to the mainland. Paris, France, March 17th. We will be playing no matter what. Uh, We played a show in Paris in 2010 when there was riots in the city. Lady Gaga canceled her show. Fozzie did not. We will be there. We will play for you, the fans of Fozzie in Paris. We will not let let you down, I promise. 18, Pratelne, Switzerland. Cesaro had to teach me how to pronounce that. Pratelne, Switzerland. 19, Munich. 20, Mannheim. 21st, Bochum, Germany. Those are the dates of the Cinderblock Party World Tour. You want to get tickets? You want to get information about the shows. You want to get the best VIP experience in the world. That's FozzyRock.com. And don't forget RFVideo.com for Pritchard versus Bischoff. I'll see you guys this weekend in St. Louis, Las Vegas, Houston. Once again, thanks to Lemmy for his hospitality, for allowing me into his house, into his home, and for talking to me as long as he did. Uh, I smoked a cigarette with him. I haven't smoked a cigarette in probably 20 years. But uh, if Lemmy wants to have a cigarette in uh ask you if you want one you damn well do it all right you got it Lemmy wants to have a vodka and ask if you want to have one you damn well have one you know me i got no problem having a gg i uh, thanks to you too for schwaz on my podcast i know you got thousands of podcasts you can schwaz from the fact you join me for twice a week i never take that for granted i thank you very much i do everything i can to book the best guests for you i travel around the world literally to get the best guests for you you want more guests you want more first time podcast guests you want more guests that I think you're going to be interested in hearing? Stick around right here. I'm in Los Angeles right now. Wait until you see who I got on tap next week. On Friday, i got someone even better. WWE Tag Team Champions, the Usos are going to be here. What do you think of that? You like this show? You go to Amazon, podcast1.com. You click on the Keeper Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. You click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links in the UK, in the USA, in the Canada A. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing 
doing this for you for free for twice a week. Listen, no extra fees or hidden challenges. You're just getting your shopping done. You're helping me out in the process. Thank you, guys. I appreciate everything that you do for me, and I'm going to continue to do the best I can for you. That's another amazing edition of Talk is Jericho. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. See you Friday for the WWE Tag Team Champions, the Usos, and a big Uso, Uso, yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 